Hi, I'm David Weiner from Optus Sport, and you're listening to the Premier League Nightclub. Charmin, he's done it! Four! Aguero! Everybody and welcome to the Premier League Nightclub Podcast. My name is Damon, and of course, with me as usual, I have the Woodrow and Woody. We are back for the first time in what feels like quite a length of time. New season meant that we are separated the episode releases, and I'm not going to lie, I've missed it a lot, a lot. And what better way? What better way to bring it back with the man himself, as you heard in the intro, David Weiner? Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, it's a pleasure, guys. Good to good to meet you. Uh, good to meet you, and look forward to having you on over the next little little while. Now, Dave, uh, to say Damon and I are fans is probably <laughs> a little bit of an understatement. I reckon we religiously listen to everything you put out on Optus Sport. So, first of all, this is a massive moment for us to to finally speak to you, not necessarily face to face. You've got me on. You've got me on already. You didn't. You, this is yeah. what you meant to say to me. <laughs> In the message, not now. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But it is true. Like, we, we consume Optusport Media like no tomorrow. And obviously, you're a massive part of that. So, for us, it's a, it's a huge uh, moment and privilege to have you on. And also to have someone on with your football knowledge. Because I think on the Optus team, it is very clear how much you know about football. And not only Premier League, but the world game as a whole. Oh, it's a pleasure, guys. It's, an, it's a pleasure. I, I find what, you know, that's my... I say it's my job in a way. I find what you guys do very inspiring for the love of the game. It keeps guys like me on, on my toes and, and makes me remember, you know, what it's all about. It's, it's, it's wonderful to talk to you guys and, and, and don't underestimate how, how cool it is to see you guys out there doing what you do and for the love of the game and um, getting your mates around it and your audience around it. it it's fantastic. It's, 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 it's the heartbeat of it. It's the pulse yeah. while we do what we do. So, um, yeah, looking forward to the chat. Whilst we're on the topic of sort of like content creation around the world game, I I actually saw on Twitter, I think it was the other day, someone tweeted at Optus Sport asking where the Sunday morning show had gone Mm. that Optus Mm -hmm. had been doing in previous seasons. And I thought it was a really good point because like for me, that show was like, I mean, Woody and I down in Melbourne. So we've got our AFL footy shows and I'm sure Mm. Sydney have the same for NRL. And I feel like there was... I've never seen anything like it Premier League related. Mm. So I think Optus really mm. hit the spot there. And, and I think it was Richard Bayless on Twitter mentioned that because of COVID, uh, that sort of stuff had to take yeah. a back seat. So do you want to tell us a little bit about that and how that whole saga has meant, affected off? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was a great fun to do that show. That's probably the most dynamic little program I've been involved in because it had so many elements to it. It was, um, it was trying to make a breakfast TV equivalent for football fans, which since the world game has gone, a world game wasn't so much breakfast, but that magazine style show of a weekend, I don't think football fans get that. You know, sports fans get wide world of sports, you get hours of Fox Sports News, you get all your code specific stuff, but there's not really one for football. So we were really proud to fill that void. And um, there was some really good discussion in that. There's obviously a lot of highlights um, and a truckload of stuff for people to get through in the morning. But, um, you know, one thing I always observe actually as well, if I've got a weekend off and with my kids running around, whatever, how hard it is to actually consume as much as you'd like to, or you might have when you were in your twenties. Um, and a show like that's a really nice way to absorb it. So we had a great time doing that. We had some great guests, great discussion on it too, about Australian football. Um, and it got COVID. 
it was what was it now started last year i think the week actually no i remember now exactly the week that COVID hit and everyone locked down we were meant to have an hour-long special with graham arnold in the studio at, at optus <sighs> And that was effectively the last episode oh. that never went to air. Um, and the show never picked back up again because we never went back into the office. Um, if you remember all the way back then, Optus Sport was doing things like nightly trivia from remote executions. What that forced us to do was to really improvise and work on our technology and our, our methods and all sorts of workflows. And, and it's to the point that actually when Sydney locked down now, um, we just picked up a workbook that we set up 18 months ago, um, or however long it was that we were able to pick up. I remember Premier League final day, the year Liverpool won, we executed that from six different locations on social and editorial. because we had a solid enough, we had all, all of us in our bedroom in our PJs doing it, and, and you wouldn't have known. So we really evolved in that sense. But to bring it back to the studio operations, um, uh, last year we went down to a countdown to kickoff yep. idea um, mm. to try to grow that kind yep. of Saturday night. Uh, feel to it that was great Sydney was open the borders were open we could fly guests in we could do it and in our planning for this season um, we had to take COVID in consideration I mean to be fair we got through the Euros crossing our fingers every single morning because that if you remember the last two weeks of the Euros was the start of when Sydney went into lockdown um, and that was really really quite stressful so we had to think about how we were going to approach it we sort of delayed it was going to be a, a really cool sort of it wasn't going to be scores on Sunday as per, but it was going to be a, another magazine style show. Um, but what do you do? What do yeah, you do? Yeah. This is the world we live in. So actually there will be a reprisal of a Sunday morning um, hit on Off The Sport, actually starting this weekend, uh, where it's going to be a, a really condensed version, like a light version of Scores on Sunday. It's just going to be a one-stop shop of all the highlights that you need to see from the Premier League and around the world. And I think yep. with so with football so fragmented at the moment, that's a really important offering for football fans. You can sit down for 10, 15 minutes and just consume everything you need to know in one hit. Um, so that takes place on Sunday morning for the first time. Um, and I'm really excited to see how that rolls out. But until we can, because we want to do things properly, we've got, of course, you mentioned the gag and puddle. You know, we can get great insights from our guests in a really mm. pragmatic way. Um, but we can't wait to go back to doing the proper studio stuff. Um, and that's when we'll probably look to, to bring that kind of stuff back again. But I'm glad you guys like scores on Sunday. I know Richard Bayless, um, who obviously, you know, widely publicised has moved on from off the sport in the last little while. That was a real flagship show for um, for all of us because we wanted to make a mark in, in the football conversation in a, in a production sense, fill a gap that wasn't there. Mm. I think it's quite interesting. Just I, I was going to touch on Rich Bayless in a sec, um, but just before I do, it's quite interesting that you mentioned that uh, Optus is is really trying to be the platform to condense all the football media into one and sort of provide, you know, that one-stop shop uh, mm. for consumers. And I think in that sense, Optus has almost revolutionised the product offering that has come to the Australian um, public in terms of football media. Uh, how do you sort of see the growth of Optus, I guess, in the next five years, considering how far you've come in the last five? That's a good question. Um, it's a really interesting one because... I mean, we talked five years ago and it didn't exist. Now there's a million subscribers. I mean, if it, it, it's a really proud fact because there are people that have all signed up to watch football. Um, so that's, that, that, that's a really wonderful, uh, that's a really wonderful moment for even the local game to go. There is such a window of opportunity to get it right. And um, we all want it to see, we all want it to see everyone get it right because guys like yourselves or guys like myself would just relish seeing it succeed. Um, and the one-stop shop thing, I guess that's come about because um, 
we had this fabulous opportunity, like when, when I came on board to turn what was an OTT platform, ostensibly, a, a Premier League broadcasting platform at the time. Mm-hmm. And obviously they've had a lot of right, other rights, rights come and go. We know that. We know the Champions League's not off the sport anymore. Um, but you grow an audience. We have an audience that really knows that we were committed to that in a content point of view. You'll still be able to consume aspects of the Champions League next week when it returns on off the sport. We'll still be writing about it. Our social channels will still be across it, providing the colour of it. Um, and it's evolved in terms of what you want to serve your customers. We've got that many customers. We want to continue to provide that level of content that we've promised and that we've developed. Um, so I go back a step and go, so we added a layer of you can, you can read about the games on the same platform that you're watching the games or hearing highlights, snippet highlights of the games or, or watching magazine shows of the games. For me, that was such an incentive coming over a couple of years back because I thought, what a product for a, for, a, for a football fan. And I don't think there's another sport in the country that offers that. I found that even during the Olympics. Well, geez, I'd love to know a little bit more. When am I going to get it? Okay, jump on Google or jump on wherever. Whereas, mm-hmm. you know, particularly climaxing with the Euros, if you got up in the morning, seven o'clock in the morning of the Euros, you, you didn't just have a replay. You didn't just have a mini match. You didn't have a mega mini. You had a highlights. You had an extended highlights. Or if you, if you really couldn't, well, you could read about it. I mean, <laughs> how cool was that? So I've sort of danced around the question for the next five years because there's so many, you know, there's, there's so many variables. I couldn't possibly tell you what the next five years looks like mm. because we know we've got a Women's World Cup, which is going to be really exciting in a couple of years. I can tell you without a shadow and a doubt, shadow of a doubt that, you know, we are so committed to, to making that pull off. Um, we see the WSL as a equal, you know, as a pillar. That we, we're not behind the Premier League. We're in the Premier League and the WSL. You know, the two flagship competitions with all yeah. the Australians there. And um, you know, I want to build the pool of voices that, that talk about that. We've obviously got um, Samantha Lewis is, a, is a, you know probably our, our flagship female football writer. Um, but I'd love to see a position where where that pool grows over the coming years. And and uh, you know, we're looking at that at a not the same depth because it's, there's just not as much. You know, build it and they come. You know, it's, the Premier League is still where the most interest is, but you know that we're looking at the Women's Super League with a talk, you know, with a talking points, with an interview, with a with a weekly column, you know, with a regularity to it. So, um, to answer your main question of where it goes in five years, um, like a lot depends. We've seen swings and roundabouts in right cycles. Um, we've seen um, you know different platforms across. Broaden, a right, broaden their horizons and add different sports. Mm. Optus has diversified because diversification is really important. We've got our fitness stream on it too. And that's really, really important because um, it needs to be, if just because the, the old man in the family is watching the app, well, what, what's, what's the, the mum or the children going to do? You know, there needs to be, a, yeah. we want to be, we want to have a, a wide, a wide offering in that sense. Um, so I can't give you, if I had the answer to your question, I'd probably be a, uh, uh, swinging in different rooms, uh, if I'm honest <laughs> with you. But um, I actually think it's a really exciting. I actually think it's an exciting time for the football industry. I do tread carefully in what I say because I think as a consumer, it's a little bit of a weird time because you're being mm-hmm. asked to dish out into a, a number of platforms. But for those who want to work in the industry, or as the industry sort of figures itself out, funnily enough, the game's gone from a place where there might have been a little bit of negativity around it maybe over the last three years in a local sense to actually i'm really positive i think the that there's there's going to be opportunities for people i think that um 
the free-to-wear aspect for, for the A-Leagues and Socceroos is exciting. Um, the Women's World Cup is exciting. You know, the Socceroos, how they performed with this streak. Hopefully, they can put themselves back on the map again. Um, so, I think it's an interesting time. There's going to be opportunities and, and equally for off the sport as much as anyone. I have to say, that was probably as an extensive an answer that we could have asked for, which maybe begs another question. No, I was just, with, I was just gibbering. I've got no idea what I was No, talking. no, no. It's all right. <laughs> with, Rich, with, with Rich Bayless, like you mentioned, you know, obviously being a well headlined that he moved over to the APL as the first mm. director of content. Mm. Does that maybe open up the door for you to be director of sport at Up the Sport? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I think, um, and I think it, that's a really positive move for Australian football because, I mean, I've worked with Rich since he was Fox Sports News football lead and I was the... I was going to say, there's going to be a lot of crossover there. We've known each other for a long time and um, have very different approaches to content because one is an expert in television, one's, one's more in digital. Um, but, you know, he, it was his support and, and, and vision that facilitated the push for this. Um, you know, when I, when I came over to Optus, you, you couldn't publish a word on the platform. Mm. And, yeah. and so those bricks and mortar layers that, that we leave behind, uh, that he leaves behind, I should say, are really exciting. And um, uh, it's really exciting to see him involved with the local game because obviously he produced the Football Belongs extravaganza, um, yep. you know, alongside a couple of others, key voices in the game. Um, and he's made a very, very substantial contribution to the sport here. So, you know, whatever happens at Optus, uh, we'll see. But the beautiful part of it is, is um, to use a Tim Cahill word, if you're going to leave somewhere, you want to make sure that you've left it in a better state than it was. And, and you know, Optus won't miss a beat going forward thanks to the structures that have been left behind. And, mm. and that includes in my area, which is more focused on the digital and, and um, social remits. I think, first of all, they were really kind words about Richard. We, we, loved, we loved having me on the pod a couple of, well, it's almost a year and a half ago now, which is crazy. But I, there is one more thing that I want to touch on in regards to Optus Sport and the role it's played mm. in the last couple of years, mm. I think for me personally, something I've always been pretty passionate about is when we talk about the A-League, there's that, oh, there's no support for it, et cetera, mm. et cetera. And, and that's maybe a discussion for another day. But I think if you told someone, say, five years ago that there would be a Premier League you know, service that would have over a million subscribers in Australia, mm. I think... It, Yes, it was not unlikely, but I think there would have been people out there who would doubt mm -hmm. if there were enough people out there that would warrant, say, a service like that. Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. and I think mm -hmm. I, Woody knows I'm a little bit of a fantasy Premier League addict, but one mm -hmm. of the uh, things that I was actually interested in, I would go and look at how many Australian FPL players there were. And there would actually be more than, say, your NRL super coach or your mm -hmm. AFL mm -hmm. fantasy mm -hmm. And look, I get that that's different because you, it's very state specific, but I just found it super interesting that despite the constant narrative that, oh, you know, Australians don't fully embrace the world game. It's like, well, is that a hundred percent true? Because evidence suggests that there is the opportunity for it to go even bigger here. And of course the A-League is a part of that. So you, you've asked, you, you, I started to get to the start of my run up when you started asking that question, because it's a topic that's close close to my heart um the the fantasy premier league one's an interesting one because we're really trying to double down and find ways of, of tapping into that audience right now because it is huge i mean the premier league supply a fan a bespoke fantasy show as it is we actually interviewed the australian winner a couple of weeks back um still in the off the sport app or in our news and article section he's a uh, he's a cop um and uh yeah and and um 
came some ridiculous number on the planet in it. Um, and uh, the, Dave, just, the number just of Australian look, players is in there. It's, it's a huge number. Dave, yeah. sorry, just before you keep going, Damo, I just want to cross-reference this. What did you finish last year overall? I was 1,100th, I think. Uh, but I was like 20-something yeah. overall uh, in Australia, sorry. And I came third in the Optus Sport League. And I really Ooh. wanted to win the Optus Sport League so that I could tweet <laughs> you guys and say, yeah, if you want someone to interview, <laughs> I'm available, Brilliant. but didn't quite get but there. I think... I really want like one thing that I'm I'm really keen on, and and it's a it's a time, and 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 you know it comes in time. One you know you, you can only build a look at it one step at a time. We're only a couple of years with the process here, but I want I want guys like yourselves and the community out there, you know, riding from the from the grandstand because I think that's a really really underutilized and, and really exciting part of it. And and everyone's got such great ideas out there. I, I think that's a it's not a, it's not a ridiculous route that land is suggesting there. Like, and then we went off, we interviewed the guy who won it last year who, I mean, that's a great result demo, but um, <laughs> I think this guy was in the top 10 on the planet. Yeah. Or something oh, like I know, that. I know who Crazy. was, I was tracking him the whole time. He was just insane. I think Did he we, come top I'm, 10. It was top 10, wasn't it? It was something like that. But the thing that got me was like with 10 weeks to go, I was on, I was coming home like a steam train and I was like, Oh, you know, I could really cause some damage here. I wasn't going to win it, but I was getting close enough, but I think by memory that person still had like his wild card to play and a bench boost or something, which is just insane to have with a couple of weeks left. Like yeah. everybody's used that sort of stuff. Anyway, I you've just, you've hit a point for me as well. And I could D- go on about digress. it. <laughs> no, no, no. It's, yeah. it, is, it is a it is a great it is a great little uh, content area. Um, but um, now, what were we talking about? What was ah the football fans in Australia? Yeah. Um, I don't buy that nonsense. You know why? I've, been fortunate enough to be um in the industry for god i'm that guy now it's nearly 15 years and Mm. i'm blessed to have uh, worked at a mainstream sports site which was the number one mainstream sports site at the time in fox sports and and it was not a tabloid sports site at the time it was a genuine sports site at the time that had some amazing rich content and i've i tell anyone that listens that at that time we were the first facebook platform in the country that was not um that was a broadcaster that got to a million fans that's not such an important metric now it was then mm. and mm-hmm. football fox sports football was the first one and uh, our audience there people don't know this generally but it was com- as competitive as the nrl and afl audience at its peak and that was through a mixture of overseas content of course but we were the at the time we were the heartbeat of local content and there was mm. great local content and there was a regularity to it and so i don't buy this nonsense that, that, that there's no market out there. And um, well, obviously Optus did think that because you don't build the foundation of an entire concept, i.e. Optus Sport on a competition you don't think is gonna build you a big audience and bring people across <laughs> to your company. But the, this result here is fabulous. There's no, there's no doubt about that. And, um, and, and I only look at the engagement now on Optus Sport, now I've moved since. Um, and it is the most highly engaged platform on all three social medias, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, out of the broadcasters in the country. And it is because there are so many fans out there craving for people to take them seriously, to engage with them, to do with them genuinely. And um, that's why I'm excited that if, if, you know, this new era of Australian football, and you have to call it that and look at that with a glass half full approach, if it gets nailed, um, I, I believe build it and they come. I mean, I might be naive, I might be too optimistic, but I've seen the results. I've seen the metrics when it's done right. And, and 
I just think that because, you know, you mentioned the AFL and NRL, there, there are cultural roadblocks that have been in the way of the game for a very, very, very long time. Um, all you need, say, in my realm, say Fox was an editor who was open-minded or might like football, just to give you a little keys to the runway that others might not get. Yeah. Um, and we were so lucky there. It stopped. I left. There's no secret about that. I think you only have to jump onto that platform now to see now what it looks like. And it's, it's not a, you know, it's not an, something that I would encourage, you know, young aspiring journalists to, to, to build towards, but um, that's okay. That's, that's everyone's entitled to do it the way they want to do it. Um, football audiences dropped off because they want to be respected. They want to be treated properly. Um, yeah. Consistently, mm. consistently. So I agree with you tremendously that, um, uh, the idea that there's not a market out there is wrong. Look, the A-League has dropped off the last few years, but there's no sugarcoating that. Yeah. Um, but it's a, it's a clean slate. It's a time to build it up again. And it's a time to build those heroes, those characters, and, and get that, that narrative into, and uh, not just the mainstream, like service the diehards, mm, first and yeah. foremost, you know, as, as, as well. So um, that's been a tricky thing to achieve at Optus just because in terms of, you know, obviously the Premier League and the competitions we have are the bread and butter. But we've certainly tried where we can and we have the, the wriggle room or the, 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 the resources to play in that space. Because there's been times where we've just seen stories out there simply that, that, um, that are not being told that ought to be. Or, or even right now, like I look at the Socceroos and, and I kind of think that the conversation around it was, wasn't widely discussed. It was discussed amongst people you'd expect it to. But, um, you know, we try to go that next level. And, you know, we're obviously lucky enough to have Schwartz, Mark Schwartz, the most capped soccer in our books. And yeah. we took it one step further today to make sure that there was a discussion, something further, something to, to, to get people talking. Um, and, I, and I think that's hopefully, you know, hopefully we aren't the only ones doing that in a few years' time. Yeah, well, I think, like you said, I think that, you know, the football industry is only going to benefit from having people like Rich go over the A-League and, and build things mm-hmm. like similar to what they're building Optus. Um, but, you know, like there's just so many different layers and aspects to the Australian uh, support, I guess, network. I don't, I don't know if network's the right way to say it, but um, there's just the people that indulge the football media. And obviously, like yourself, you've been a key. I think it can't, can't really go unsaid how much of a key you've been to unlocking the Optus Sport viewership as well. And I guess that probably leads me to my point about you know, how did you get into football and did you expect to find yourself in a position that you are today? <laughs> it's a it's a funny one when people ask me this because you you tend to always just be so head down bum up that sometimes you, you it's hard to stop and, and and go wow this is cool um or like in the in the in the scheme of like a euros where you're just so focused on not carking it because you're so tired <laughs> yeah. you go my god <laughs> did we do that um the answer is i i could have never have I couldn't have dreamt of doing what I was doing. I might have aspired to it. I actually distinctly remember um, when I was at uni and, and they were the formative years of the A-League. And I actually remember distinctly asking um, a sports journalism lecturer that, we ha- lecturer that we had on, do you think one day that this will be big enough that, you know, that we could be a part of something properly? You know, he's actually, a, you know, a, a chief writer in, uh, in the rugby league world right now. I was like, mm, yeah, but, you know, don't be... Don't bank on it. Probably will be, but don't bank on it. So, you know, I couldn't have, uh, I couldn't have dreamed of how it went. Um, and uh, look, I, it was always where I wanted to be. My, my first job was volunteering at Sydney FC. 
no, no, no shame in admitting that. That's where I started, and that's where I was encouraging young aspiring journalists to get your hands dirty and be prepared to do the work. And um, so I've always loved football. I was grew up playing it in the family, all that kind of thing, um, and always loved media and sports journalism. And and saw an opportunity to to marry the two, but also. When I went to Fox Sports, you know, no one has a luxury or had the luxury at that point when Digital was just figuring itself out. You know, it was really 2000. Jesus, don't tell me how old you boys were when I in 2010 when I started at Fox Sports. Um, you know, you weren't. The industry was figuring itself out. It had no idea what Digital was, um, but in a way that was a blessing for me because I got to figure it out at the forefront. Um, and then, you know, within a couple of years, they figured out that, you know, they needed to double down on what they were doing with football. Um, and at a young age, I had the keys to the castle there. So that was a fantastic formative learning experience at a time where um, I think the platform, the, 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 the mechanism of a, of a digital platform was, and a, and a social media, keys with social media castle was, was really, like, it was formative. Um, but then, What's happened since has been, yeah, spectacularly enjoyable. And um, mm. and I, you know, I, I speak to some people who go, "Well, what do I have to do to be a pundit?" And I went, "There is no such thing as a journalist <laughs> who is a pundit. Like you don't, you don't start out and go, I want to be that. You stumble across <laughs> it because you talk as much shit through the years that they go, well, maybe this guy can clog up an end of a couch for a little while with the stuff that he knows.'" So I'm not on there for my good looks. I can tell you that. For, I can tell you that exclusively, um, and uh, you know that just that just evolves over time naturally and organically. And um, very grateful for the journey I've had. And and you know whatever happens from from here, oh you know I'll look back at particularly that Euros in particular. You know before Johnny went back, Johnny Aloisi went to, to Western United and whatnot. It was a fabulous, fabulous little production that, that we had there. That Rich mm. was leading, and um, and I, and I know that I know that we uh, that Australian football fans enjoyed that. I know I'm, I'm tremendously proud of that. All right, so I think it's certainly time to get stuck into some Premier League chat because, uh, Woody, in all honesty, uh, yourself and I, we probably haven't dug that deep into what this season's you know, got on offer that much because in episode one, we didn't really get stuck into it too much. But as you can see, I've got my Man United hat on for the <laughs> first time, I think. And I've ordered my Cristiano Ronaldo I'm out. shirt. <laughs> what does, we'll talk so many things Premier League, but we can't go past Cristiano Ronaldo. What does it mean no, for can't. just this whole, I don't know, just the whole world? This is a lifestyle now. This is unbelievable. Yeah, 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 it's it trans. I mean, it's pop culture. It's it's social media bonanza. It's jersey sales. It's um, it just it's amazing because the funny thing is, is like we've been watching Ronaldo play for Juventus. We've been watching Ronaldo play on off the sport in the Champions League. It's not like he's just come from Mars and returned to playing football yeah. again. He's been mm-hmm. watching all the time. But this Manchester United homecoming with the you know one of the the cultural icons of this. Well, you can't even say decade. He's been around for so long now, this century, um, and it's it's big. It's a big deal. Like this is this is, and you know, we spoke a bit earlier about you know people underestimating the power of the football fan. But what actually in Australia, but what this does is reminds everyone else just how damn big our game is, and mm. this puts our game 
front. I mean, this, it's obvious it's massive internationally, but when you see a story that I always find interesting, the stories that we cover each day of the sport or, and that you, you put your blood, sweat and tears into, but every now and then something comes up that the whole of Australia is frothing over. And, uh, and this is, this is one of those. And, uh, you know, where we we're, the numbers could be dizzying on, on the weekend because of uh, the momentum since the Euros of the Premier League has been huge on off the sport. And this, this does take it to another level because there's the intrigue, there's the romance. Is it going to work? It doesn't matter right now. They just want to see Ronaldo in a, in a, in a CR7 jersey again. <laughs> so um, it just is great theatre. And, you know, it's one of the great cliches. Oh, how was the Premier League? This is what the Premier League is all about. But frankly, it actually is what, what it can deliver, right? Like it's box yeah. office, it's box office sport at a global scale. So, um, you know, we've got a Ronaldo returns rail on the Optus sport app now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's so funny. I actually said, you know, you know, it's Manchester United versus Newcastle. It's not Ronaldo's homecoming. There is actually three points up for grabs here. Yeah. It's so big that that can get a little bit lost, can't it? Can you imagine if he's not in the squad? Can you just imagine if he's not in the squad? <laughs> I was very relieved to see that he wasn't, running out for Portugal this morning. That means they know yeah. that they can't afford. It's too much on the line for him not to be included this week. Um, I mean, so you're a Manchester United fan. Do you remember, like, it, the, the amazing part of this is, is it was a lifetime ago that he was at Manchester United. He was a boy. Like, do you remember it? As someone, I'm yeah, really intrigued. Like, like, someone your age, is it kind of this, is it a childhood thing that then you get to look at again as an adult? Like, it's obviously I'm looking at it as an objective observer. And I just love the storyline of it and the theatre of it. But what's what's it like as someone who, uh, you know, who, who's who's got the, the colours on? Well, you know, I, I I talk about the 2006 World Cup like any other, you know, Aussie football fan, and that's sort of where it all kicks off because um, Woody and I were nine when that mm. when that happened, and and that's sort of the age where it started. Like, oh, you know, this is actually like super important. People really mm. care about this, mm. and then sort of with that, I'm. Um, dad was a Man United fan and watch a heap of games, but I was probably still too young to you know get up at 4am and, and, and watch Man United versus Portsmouth. But there was just like that element of Cristiano Ronaldo was, he was the brand back then. Like he was, mm. he was what Manchester United was to me at least. You know, I remember mm. primary school and it was just R- Ronaldo, Ronaldo. And mm-hmm. and so I, rem- I remember watching the 2008 Champions League final Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember him missing the penalty, uh, and I think yeah, I was what eleven then. So it starts to become a little bit more clear when you're that age. But yeah, no, mm. like I, Woody's a Man United fan too. But and I just think we can both. It's so hard to explain to someone who doesn't like even yourself as a Chelsea fan probably does understand a little bit. But to non-football fans, it's like this is you know better than getting a promotion at work. Caught by a mile. Mm. It, 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 it really just, it's hard to put into words how good <laughs> it's it is. It's fantasy, isn't it? It's fantasy, yeah, it isn't is. it? The fact that it wasn't even on the cards until 24 hours earlier. Yeah. Um, mm. And it's, it's a funny one because, like, it really wasn't. Like, there was always, obviously, the York Hall game, Mendes was putting things behind the scenes, and Fergie was making yep. the calls, and everything like that. But it's, it's interesting because um, we've like, we obviously got that partnership with The Athletic, and they are, you know, they've got their fingers on the pulse. We kind of know what's coming. But the smokes and mirrors thing, it smokes and mirrors. Like, you know, you know, mm-hmm. what's and, the, and the Ronaldo stuff wasn't coming at the start of the week. It, it wasn't, mm-hmm. it wasn't wow. the story that it exploded in. And 
And in this day and age, to have a story that you literally get up on Saturday morning, I was having a snooze, rest week before the season starts or whatever it was. Uh, I can't remember when it was now. Time's blurred. Uh, all I know is it wasn't working. And my wife just comes in with her phone smirking, going, you seen this? And I'm like, oh, Jesus, here we go. Um, <laughs> you don't get that anymore. There's always a, a whiff of something or, you know, yeah. you just get a little bit of an inkling something's going to happen. Um, it was a spectacular. So you got all the emotions you talk about and it just had, it was unbelievable drama too because no one no one saw it coming it was amazing i think i think that's something we can probably all agree on that taking a step back this had to be hands down the most eventful transfer window that i reckon i've ever seen in my lifetime Mm. and dave i don't know about you but just some of the things that were happening in the stories and and, and the, almost the romance of a couple of the stories like Ronaldo, almost like Lukaku coming back to Chelsea, mm. um, you know, just the whole, it was just such a spectacle. And it's something that I don't think that I've ever witnessed before or, or, or seen, I guess, the magnitude no. of moves that happened. No, no, it was a soap opera. It was a soap yeah. opera. That's what, because the thing is with the transfer window is there's a lot of huffing and puffing. Like it is such a big industry alongside the actual on-field aspect of it. Mm. Um, both in terms of you know media consumption, but also the fact of what it actually is in terms of a, a part of the game, um, and how much money goes around in it. But it's a cliche every time that in the media talking about hype. Oh, this is a great transfer window, or and you get the deadline day, and you go, actually, bugger all happened. We've just been huffing and buffing for two months, <laughs> making your mountain out of a molehill. Nothing's actually happened. But this would have been big, even if uh, Messi and Ronaldo probably hadn't happened. But because you, you throw in the British transfer record for really, you throw in the Harry Kane antics, you throw in the way PSG played the game and 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 yep. built a first eleven above a first eleven on free transfers. Mm. Um, we look at Barcelona being an absolute disgrace of a of a club in terms of their management of their squad, and and you look at Kylian Mbappe. Mm, yeah, does he want to leave? Or oh, yeah, he, he does want to leave. There's something going on here. Um, mm. But that in itself would have been enough. But then you get the two players of our lifetime both leaving and Messi leaving Barcelona crying like that. A tragic comedy. Um, yeah, it's, 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 it is the most ridiculous transplant you could ever have. Throw in Lukaku, which we didn't mention as well. So, so you've got um, the champions of Syria losing their main man back to the Premier League. In Ashley Young, got, of course. <laughs> <laughs> I got no comeback. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, um, and then you've got you know Atletico getting Griezmann back off of Barcelona. I mean that final bit of fast there. Um, you've got Bayern fleecing Abelapsig of, of oh, their coach, that's, captain, that's and best laughing. player. Um, and then you've got these two guys. So it's just it's just crazy, just crazy. But behind it a little bit concerning because I think the Premier League is is now miles ahead in terms of because of COVID, the installation of the TV deal, they're miles ahead in terms of financial muscle um, and I think, and I know Spurs are first at the moment, but I think as great as the top four is going to be I do wonder whether there's a real concentration now back in that top four again um, so it's not, not going to be an unbelievable title race, it's really really even but that's something I've just got in the back of my mind as a, as a football fan that I, that I hope that um, 
football can figure itself out as it bounces back through COVID, just beyond the Premier League, because um, there's a few interesting interesting trends in the transfer market and whatnot. It's actually funny you mentioned that. I was going to open up with the Premier League talk about how, say, on paper, there's probably never been a more clear top four for quite some time. But then I think the first three weeks, especially the first week, when Tottenham comes out and beats Man City 1-0, like from... A, like from a Premier League point of view, like the Premier League's point of view, I should say, mm. that was the best thing that could have happened. If mm. Man City came out and won three or four nil, mm. then it, it, like the theatre of the, what we're feeling right now, look, we're still obviously feeling it, but there would have been that element of like, yeah, okay, but City is still going to dominate. Mm. Like there's really no... Mm. But suddenly they're not top of the league at the moment. Look, that could mm. change pretty quickly, but Spurs are undefeated. And mm. I didn't even have them in the top six, to be honest, before the season started, <laughs> but they actually look okay. And... I think you probably well, a team that I my whole life I have had little interest in watching, but recently West Ham over the last two years have been like I've woken up to watch Mikel Antonio's goal celebrations. Mm. Like I'm, I'm, there's more to it than that, but just the way they're playing, the atmosphere at at, um, at West Ham is is so good right now, and obviously you got Leicester as well. So I think there's there's still a little bit of hope for that competition. Oh no, of course, of course, of course. But you know what? It would be a, it would be a ultimate coaching achievement from Moyes or Rogers if they do break in, because on yeah. paper they shouldn't, because of the wealth yeah. and spending of the top four. The top four. If any one of those teams are not in the top four, that season is an unmitigated failure. So Massive, I'll fra- yeah. I should probably rephrase it that way. And uh, but the beauty is is that uh, it's cliche to say. But I still do believe any team can knock any team off. And that's the beauty of our sport um, on any day. But it, it would be a testament to the coaching and squad building of West Ham and Leicester. And they've done a great job, both of them. Even though they signed a few on deadline day, West Ham, I'm still worried with the Europa League. They might be a bit light, particularly relying on Antonio. But um, irrespective of that, like for them to pick up this season where they finished off last season... Um, I think is, is outstanding. So, and probably improved even. Um, so, yeah, I, I agree with that. But it's not to say, yeah, it's not to say that I'm writing those teams off. If they were to break in or even maintain and keep Tottenham out, that would be, I think that would be, I think that'd be a fantastic achievement. Yeah. I think the, the West Ham discussion in particular is quite interesting because a lot of people forget the financial situation that they were in a couple of years ago and that. For for majority of uh yeah a couple of years ago they were actually bottom half and they went through you know probably six or seven weeks in the second half of the season where they there was a possibility they could get relegated they oh, were that bad yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and people forget that because they're such a big club um mm. but I guess uh, more steering back to uh the transfer period in general obviously you know we mm. saw the big six transfer the, the transfers mm. of the big six. Um, and by the way, for the big six, we actually leave out Arsenal these days and we put West Ham <laughs> instead. Um, uh, I think looking past those teams, were there any, were there any uh, you know, clubs that you thought had underrated transfer periods? So and, and, and just on that, on West Ham, by the way, if you think about the COVID period and how that sort of crowds, no crowds, whatever, actually West Ham was not a nice place to be in terms of the home crowd uh, mm. at the start of the, you know, that period where, Boys, yeah. 
had them on the bubble of relegation. And now yeah. it looks like they're absolutely pumping there at their stadium. So it, it's you, you're dead right bubbles. in terms of the change. Yeah, they're blowing they're blowing bubbles and having the time of their life. Um, I, actually, I know the jury's still out on Leicester, but I think they spent shrewdly and smartly um, again picked up a couple of like. You can see what they're trying to do and the types of players they, they got, particularly Pat Zaka, who's like literally like, well, yeah. we hope we get another season out of Vardy, but if we don't, like mm. this, we saw at the Euros that he, he is a talent. Um, he, he's got stuff coming through. Um, I don't think Aston Villa spent their money like Spurs' Magnificent Seven or Fail a few years back. I think they're all players that have the ability to, to complement each other and, and be better in, embedded in to the team, whether it works. Yep. You know, Grealish is such a loss that, that, you know, if it doesn't work, it's not impossible that it won't work. But I, I think it can. Um, who else? Who else? Who else? Who else? Um, oh, it feels like a lifetime of going out of the transfer window. Um, <laughs> and to be honest, oh, sorry. They were the two main ones, and I'm not including Arsenal in that discussion, even though they spent the most. No. <laughs> <laughs> I think I really rate... Um... Damari Gray to Everton. I think he's had an awesome mm. start to the season. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. That was cool obviously the, Yeah, the jury was out on that pre- pretty early. I mean, he's, he's been a player who's had so much promise, hasn't really delivered from what we saw when he went to Leicester a couple of years ago. Um, but yeah, the first few games that I've seen him, he's been pretty good. And he's way into my FPL team, so can't, yeah. that's a good sign. Well, to be fair, is he as cheap in FPL as he was in real life? Because um, if you took pound for pound signings, he's the signing yeah. of the season so far in inverted commas after three weeks. Um, because it, at least you can see there exactly what Benitez is doing. Now, whether they can sustain that, and there's enough variety in that, and, and what happens if they go down, him and um, Townsend. But at least, you know, it's good to always see, if I was a fan of Everton, at least I'd know what Benitez is trying to do, because yeah. they obviously have a lot of scepticism about him coming in. But at least that, that's kind of a pretty clear plan. It's not just hodgepodge signing whoever you want, whoever you mm. can get, sorry. Um, so, no, it actually, in terms of, like, is, is volume, no, but for, for what they paid, yeah, they did very well at the Um, just just one question on the Benitez situation. Obviously, there was so much conjecture about him going to Everton because of his history and and obviously the success he had with Liverpool. Uh, on a larger scale, do you think that some some of the nuances of the narratives of each club and their rivalries and and whatnot, do you think they almost get downplayed now and or diluted as? Um, the Premier League is so widely transferred across the world and publicised? You know, one of the things interesting is particularly getting the Premier League production service through is actually how concentrated the coverage is on the big four slash six. It's really, really interesting. And I actually really enjoy, this is going to sound weird because COVID was such a tough time for people, but I actually enjoyed how the Premier League spaced it out. It gave my week a really good structure to it because... Um, but also each game was on its own. So um, you actually got to see teams that you previously, like in Australia, you physically can't consume that. Like, like I make no apology. That's why we, you know, we have, uh, you know, freelance writers in the UK and columnists and that kind of thing, because you can't consume every game every week. It's not, it is not, you can't even consume more than a couple. It's not physically possible. I mean, I do wonder now with like the goal rush and like this weekend, I think it's six games. Or, no, I think from Saturday night, from 1.30pm Saturday night, I think from 2.30 Sunday morning, I think there's eight, eight games of the round played. And um, I do think you lose a bit of that nuance there on, on, mm. on the other teams. Um, and it becomes very much match of the day type, like highlight, highlight, highlight. 
Um, and certainly in terms of, I, I'm not sure if I'm answering your question exactly. So to so come again, if I'm not, but um, like I look at what the athletic does offer where they've got the, the budget, the resources to do that. And they cover every single club at the level that a club diehard would want to consume almost mm. like the local paper of that region over there, but at a higher level. But in terms of if you to say blanket wide in Australia, is there the nuance outside of off the sport? Like, you know, in all, in all modesty, like between the, the video options that come out of the shows and the, and the written pieces outside of off the sport, is it a nuance about the Premier League? No, there's, there's not, absolutely not, not, not a chance. Mm. I don't know if that answers your question. Sort of, sort of. I, I was more talking about the, um, I guess, the tradition of clubs in England. Do you think that almost gets diluted because of... Um, like for example, twenty years ago, if Benitez was to go from manage Liverpool one year and manage Everton the other, he would gotcha. fear for his life on the street. Gotcha. If that makes sense. Yeah, it's almost more transactional now. Like Benitez exactly. can be a and hero think- at Liverpool, but he's gone on and managed Chelsea, won a Europa League with Chelsea. You know, Mourinho was able to go from Chelsea to Manchester United to Tottenham. Um, yep. That kind of aspect. Yeah, I mean, look, it's big business now. You've got to yep. get the right man for the right job. I think I think there's that really fine balance with the Premier League to what it is to the absolute pure traditionalists in England across the globe because across the globe the people that started supporting it you know, 50 years ago with the first division um, there are pure reasons for that but let's call a spade a spade we're supporting it here from Australia you're in your 20s I'm in your 30s we have reasons we feel in other particular clubs our connection is not the same traditional reasons. That, that you're you're referencing there so the landscape has changed a lot particularly the premier league lives up to this kind of global um um billing of what it is yeah yeah quite possibly quite possibly and foreign owners foreign owners i'd like to think they would have done the reconnaissance and known the gamble they were taking with benitez but um ultimately the initial fan reaction was not something that obviously weighed in their decision because they went and did it. So um, I think that's a really interesting sort of tapestry layer because um, sometimes you get a, you see some social media, well, how can you be a real fan? You're in Australia. Well, I'd argue back to that, that have you ever watched your team through the middle of the night? You know, that's a very Simon Hill, uh, very Simon (laughs) Hill argument. (laughs) Is it? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, And, uh, but that's not to say that we're right and they're wrong or they're they're right and we're wrong it's everyone's got their own meaning uh meaning or reason exactly. reason for supporting a team yeah very good yeah, interesting question interesting question oh, i don't know how that gets i don't know what happens with that in the future you know when you've got um sheiks and oligarchs and all sorts of people buying <laughs> into clubs um it's complicated sure Alrighty, Demo, I reckon it is time uh, to get into a bit of game show action. So, uh, Dave, we've got a bit of a quiz that we like to do with some of our most knowledgeable guests. And you are Uh-oh. definitely probably the most, one of the most knowledgeable <laughs> guests that we've had on. Um, so close, what I'm, gonna, I'm getting close to my bedtime. Can I use that as an excuse? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I promise you it will not take long. I promise <laughs> you. Um, Damo reckons he's a bit of an aficionado and with the FPL as well, his knowledge base has just grown exponentially. So I need someone to put him in his place and I'm looking to you. So please put him Uh-oh. in his place. <laughs> um, 
So the way this game show works is it is a series of five questions. It's a mix of uh, past and present players, um, clubs, and managers. So each uh, each uh, round is based upon one of those, and I'll tell you what what it is that you're trying to guess. Um, you get five clues, and to trigger, you get one guess. One guess. Um, and so as soon as uh, you make a guess, and if it's wrong, uh, therefore you rescind your chance to answer again, and then therefore the other person can listen to the rest of the clues if it hasn't expired already, and they can make their guess. So it is best of five. Damo, you ready? Let's do it. Dave, okay. you ready? Whew. All righty. Yeah. All righty. Round one. Uh, we are guessing a player. Clue one. I joined my current team in 2019. Two. I am French. Three. In the entire Premier League 2020-2021 season, I scored only three goals. Four. I have played a to- for a total of six clubs in three different leagues. Mm-hmm. Final clue. I currently play for Newcastle. So if you have if you have an answer, say your name and then therefore you can guess. Say Maxman. Diamond Saxon. Yes. Saint yeah. yeah. Okay. It is. It is. It is Saint Maximan. <laughs> uh, what do we do if we if we've both got the same? Oh, is it first? Is it first man in? First yeah. man in. First oh, man right, in. You got that one. So I should. Okay. I should have. I should have explained that before. <laughs> no. Um. Alrighty. Second, we're going for a club. Mm-hmm. Blue one. I spent fifty-seven million pounds this transfer period. Clue mm-hmm. two. Since the start of the Premier League era, I have won one major trophy. Three. Harry Kane has played games for my club. Clue four. Can we answer early? Can we answer yeah. early? I'll let you answer, Dave. Yeah. Well, can I go Leicester? It's not Leicester. It's wrong. Oh. They've won won two major trophies. (laughs) They won the FA Cup last season. I was so eager to get in early. (laughs) I'm I'm pretty sure I know which club it is, but I'll hear the last clue. Clue four. I'm one of 17 London-based clubs. And clue five, my current manager is Portuguese. Oh, wait. You just asked the biggest doozy question of them all. I did. <laughs> the, the Harry Kane clue is the one. Like I can't, I can't get away from that. I'm trying to find, figure out. Played for, played for Leicester, obviously wrong. I was going to say Norwich, but I can't think. I think, I think you're being a bit cheeky here, aren't you, with your question? <laughs> Dave knows. Dave knows who it is. You, and Dave, I'm going to give you five. I'm going to give you five seconds to answer. Uh, I'm just gonna, <laughs> is it? Is it Norwich? No, it's Tottenham. 
me off scent, got me on my factual inaccuracies of forgetting about the FA Cup last year. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so there was a few answers to that one until I until I said that um it was uh one of the seventeen Premier League yeah. based clubs. Um <laughs> I can't believe no one got that one. Alrighty, uh <laughs> round three. This is a former player. Alrighty. Of all the teams I've played for in my career, I made the most appearances for Manchester United. Clue two. I was a defender at Manchester United. Clue number three. I am currently a manager in the MLS. Can I go... Is it Yep, Stan? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Congrats, Dave. And that was a trick one as well because Phil Neville... I had to redeem, I had to redeem myself. I passed stakes three rounds in. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, I think, yeah, Phil Neville is... Uh, well, not Phil Neville. Yeah, yeah Phil, uh, Phil Neville is also a manager. So that was, that was going to be uh, a bit of a trick as well. So we'll go round four. Currently, it's, it's one round Damo, one round Dave, and that's it. All righty. Round four, manager. Clue one, I'm currently a manager in the Premier League. Two, including my current team, I have managed a total of three different Premier League teams. Three, my best place finish as a Premier League manager is second. Clue number four. Is, have, is the Premier League teams he's managed all in the Premier League right now? I can't answer that. Brendan Rogers? Is it Brendan Rogers? It is Brendan Rogers, yes. <laughs> All righty. Two to Dave, one to Damo. Very, very slick, Dave. Very slick. All right. <laughs> Round number five. This is a current Premier League player. Clue number one. I have been at my current club since 2015. Two. This is the only team I have played with played in the Premier League with. Three, I have made only one appearance for my national team. Clue number four, I have currently scored four goals in the current Premier League season. And clue number five, Is it, I am... Can I, can I jump in? Can I jump yep. in? Yep. Oh, no, I've gone off early. Oh, well, no. I've, got, I've committed. I forgot the first, the first fact. I was going to say Patrick Bamford, but I don't know if he's been at Leeds since 2015. So that, that is incorrect. Okay, yeah, yeah, no, right. I'm, I'm shot. I've got out of the block. False start. <laughs> Number five. I am the all-time leading goal scorer for the club Damon. that I play for. Oh. Damo. Mikel Antonio. <laughs> it, is, it is Mikel Antonio. Criminal trigger to answer that one. Uh, no, good one. Uh, so it good question. ends up all square to all. Um, can't say Damon's input in his place, but he's uh, <laughs> we, we've done we've done well. We've done well. Um, so that, too easy. Alrighty, so I reckon that's where we wrap this one up, Woody. It's been an absolute awesome show, Dave. Thank you so much for coming on. I know Woody and I had an absolute ball. I'm uh, glad to have done so. Hope I haven't bored you to tears. No, no way, absolutely. No, not, not at all, absolutely not at all. Not. Uh, so basically what's just going to happen is Woody and I will whip out 
where they can hit us up on the socials and just basically plead with everyone to subscribe to us. And then we'll just uh, ask you to say, you know, I'm Dave Weiner. Thanks for booking with the Premier League nightclub. Something like that to take us out. We'll point your way when you are, when it's your time to shine. No worries. Cool. All right. What do you think? Want to hit us up on the socials? Where can they find us? Guys, you can find us on Insta at Premier League Nightclub and you can search us up on TikTok as well at Premier League Nightclub. Damon, where can you find us everywhere else? You can find us on Twitter at PL Nightclub. Make sure to search us up on Spotify, iTunes, hit sub or follow wherever you like to listen. Also on YouTube, of course, make sure you hit subscribe. It helps us out a lot. And yeah, no, I think we want to grow the YouTube a little bit more, Woody. Isn't that right? We definitely do. Uh, and But of course, we can't be growing the YouTube without the awesome guests like we had today. Thank you very much, Dave, for coming on. Hey guys, it's Dave Weiner from Optus Sport and you've been boogieing with the Premier League nightclub.